0: Good morning and welcome to Unionville Alliance Church. Those that are here in person, those that are watching online, and if you're watching on demand later on. Today we have a special service, a healing service, where we want to talk about the Lord's power to heal, but also pray for healing as well. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, or if you're newer to our congregation, we want to extend a special welcome uh, to you as well, and just thank you for being with us today. There was a lady named Emma McKinley, In Eastern, 1993, she fell from the loft of her... uh, fell from a storage loft, and she fell unconscious, and her uh, co-worker found her. She recovered from her wounds, but unfortunately developed something called reflex sympathetic dystrophy, RSD, uh, and it was a chronic and progressive nerve disorder that she had. Eventually, she became bound to a wheelchair, Her foot started to grow crooked. Uh, Her hand couldn't open, it was just closed. Her neck and spine was twisted, leaving her in a very awkward position. Um, Blood clots started to develop in her legs and the doctors wanted to amputate. She wanted to continue to pray and just trust for healing and so she never gave up. But the night before Christmas Eve 2011, so about 18 years later, she fell off of her wheelchair and fell to the ground in pain for about eight hours. And in pain as she was on the ground, she was crying out to Jesus. And this is what she said, quote, "'What I saw was the most awesome white robe. I knew who it was. Our human eyes can hardly look at it. It's so bright.'" I couldn't see it, but I could feel that the left foot was going from this position f- to this position. Jesus was straightening out that crooked foot. I knew my neck was being straightened. My spine was being straightened. That left hand that had been, clinched, that had been a clinched fist for over 18 years, Jesus started to take those fingers and open them up. I could take that hand and I could flex it and use my fingers. Jesus was now kneeling on one knee right beside me, and he extended his hand out to me, asking for mine. And then we stood up together, and even though the bones were sounding and crackling like crazy, he still had a hold of my hands. Then I knew I had to start walking and use those feet and legs, and I did. A few hours later, Emma, Emma's two sons and her grandchildren came to celebrate Christmas Eve. Can you imagine what they would have seen as they walked into her house? Her son said this, I could see down the hallway a little bit and here she comes walking and it's like, no way. I hadn't seen my mom out of a wheelchair since my wedding in 1993. At that moment, everything I knew was different because she was supposed to be in the chair but she is walking. It was a surreal moment seeing her walk. It's like it's a miracle. There's nothing else it could be. Lord Jesus, we look to you this morning. Lord, we believe that you have power to heal. And we believe that your power is here today to heal. We look to you. Our eyes are fixed on you. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Jaden read a a passage of scripture for us, uh, uh, Jesus' interaction with a paralytic, a man who couldn't walk, a man who was lame. And in this passage, there's so many things uh, that are very intriguing uh, and things that we can learn from. Uh, And in our life groups, we'll be digging a little bit deeper into some of Jesus' healing experiences. But I want to highlight a few things from this passage before we take time to pray for healing as well. And my hope and my trust is that your faith will be encouraged as well and that your faith would be built up uh, as we wait on the Lord for healing. In this passage, we see something that was very unique, and that was the power of the Lord was with Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus To heal the sick. Now you would think that the power of the Lord was with Jesus all the time, right? Because he was God. But there's a specific mention here by Luke, who was a doctor, who was a physician. Luke here specifically throws this line in into his account of this experience and says, The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The power of the Lord is here today because Jesus is here to heal the sick. Do you believe that? The power of the Lord was with Jesus. The the spirit of the Lord was upon him. Uh, In just the chapter before, in Luke chapter 4, Luke is sort of building up, and we don't have time to sort of take you on a journey through Luke to actually see what Luke is trying to do, but in the previous chapter... Luke builds up to this experience in Luke chapter 5 and other things that happened in Luke chapter 5 as well. But in in, in chapter 4, he, he talks about this experience of Jesus coming into the temple, and as he comes into the or into the synagogue, and as he comes into the synagogue, he opens up a scroll of Isaiah and he reads from this scroll, and this is what it says: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will See, there's healing that's there. There's liberation. That the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Friends, we're living in a time called the grace period, post-resurrection of Jesus. This is the time of the Lord's favor. This is the time that Jesus wants to set the captives free. That Jesus wants to heal his people That Jesus wants to do amazing things. In Matthew chapter 4, we read Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. There was not one illness or one sickness that Jesus encountered where he said, excuse me, this is a little bit too tough for me. Let me pass it on to somebody else. There's not a single sickness or disease that Jesus couldn't confront, that Jesus couldn't heal. Every person that came to him received healing. In the book of Acts, after Jesus had died and rose again and now the apostles were left, they also had done so many miracles and seen so many healings and seen the power of Jesus. And so as they were being persecuted, what happened in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went into the temple. They saw a crippled man, similar to like Jesus' interaction with the paralytic. And, and, and Peter and John looked at that man and he was begging for money and, and and Peter looked at him and said, look, I don't have any silver and gold. I can't meet that, that part of the need that you have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. He spoke the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Peter had seen Jesus do it. And Peter was saying the same thing, speaking the name of Jesus. And so there was persecution that arose because of that. And afterwards, uh, they said this. Peter said, stretch out your hand. As a prayer to the Lord, he's asking the Lord, Lord, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Friends, there's healing in the name of Jesus. Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. In this interaction with Jesus and the man that was a paralytic, a paralyzed man, a lame man, the power of the Lord was with Jesus. Now, do you know as well that God uses people in your journey of healing, right? Sometimes we like to think, okay, well, you know, I just want Jesus to do something directly for me. But do you know that's not always how it works? Do you know that God uses people? That God uses the body of Christ? That God uses others in this journey of healing? In Luke chapter 5, we read this story of the paralytic, and, and it wasn't, he, was a, he was a lame man. He couldn't do much for himself. So what did he need? He needed the people around him. He needed his friends to help him. It says, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Wouldn't that, that would probably catch a lot of people's attention, right? If, for example, all you balcony dwellers up there, if you're like, hey, I can't, I want to come down to the front for that prayer of healing, I'm just gonna get lowered, you know, from the balcony. I think it would probably attract a lot of attention. Right? But that's what happened in this case. They they came up to the roof, and roofs were different than what they are in, 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 in our time and age right now, and they were able to uncover the roof and let this man down. The friends came alongside this man. And I want to tell you that God uses people. God uses us within the body of Christ to bring about his healing power. There's a a story in the Bible, in the book of Acts, and it's the story of the Apostle Paul. At that time, he wasn't called Paul, he was called Saul. And, And he came and he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And as he was on the road to Damascus, he saw this bright light, and it was Jesus, and Jesus speaking to him, and he lost his sight. Now, could Jesus have come back again and healed Paul directly because he, saw, he met Paul directly? Could he have done that? Could Jesus have come directly and, and given his eyesight back? 100% he could have done that, but he didn't. Instead, he sent a man named Ananias. Jesus appeared to a man named Ananias and said, Ananias, go and pray for Saul. And pray for him, he is my chosen vessel. And Ananias Ananias is like, are you sure, Lord, this is the guy that's killing people and putting people in prison? He might do that to me. And God told him, no, he is my chosen vessel. In the book of Acts, it says here, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Could this have happened directly on the road to Damascus? Yes, yes. Could Jesus have appeared to him again while he was on his bed without any sight and said, Here, Saul, here's your sight again? Yes, he could have done that, but he didn't. He chose to use a man named Ananias. And Ananias came and he prayed for him. He laid his hands on him and he prayed for him. And it says here instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. In the Old Testament, we read a, a, of a story of Abraham and he came into this particular land and unfortunately, Abraham lied to the king of the land, Abimelech. Uh, and, but long story short, what happened was uh, Abimelech had taken Sarah, Abraham's wife, to be part of his own sort of realm of women. But God appeared to Abimelech and said, that woman is married to Abraham. And so Abimelech said, well, I haven't touched her. And God said, yes, I've kept you from doing that. But what had happened was Abimelech's wife and and the other women of that land, they couldn't bear children because of what was done. And look at what God tells Abimelech here in Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7. Now return the woman to her husband and he will, what? Pray for you for he is a prophet. Then you will live. Could God have just directly come and told Abimelech, look, you're healed, you're good, everyone else is is good, I'm going to heal you, no problem? Yes, he could have. But instead, he asked him to go to Abraham. That would have been a pretty humbling process, don't you think? That would have been a very humbling process for this king now to go to Abraham, the man that actually lied to him and deceived him, now to go to him and say, hey, can you pray for me and pray for the women in our country so that they could bear children again? A few verses down in verse 17, then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants so that they could have children. Why does God choose to work this way? I think because it helps us to humble ourselves and come to the Lord. Every Sunday after the service, we have a prayer team that's here, that's ready and willing to pray. But how many know that many times we are unwilling to take that step to come forward? We are unwilling to humble ourselves, to open up our heart, to maybe even break our heart, and ask somebody else to pray for us. That's a difficult thing, isn't it? I find that difficult. To, to, to bear our heart, to open it up, to be vulnerable and to be transparent and say, please, can you pray for me? That's a difficult thing. But yet God has chosen in these ways to, to, to allow us to be supported by the body of Christ. We have a prayer line, and Maisie prayed for a number of those items on our prayer line this morning. We have a prayer line that people can submit prayer requests to so that others could be praying for those requests. Sometimes it's difficult to submit something like that because it requires us to humble ourselves and say, can you pray for me? How many know that's a difficult thing? Right? This is the way, though, that God chooses to work, that he uses the body of Christ. We have an after-service prayer team. We have our prayer line. Today at the end of this service, or near the end of this service... Our elders are going to be here at the front to anoint with oil and to pray for healing. Well, I think it takes a little bit of humility to come up and share that request. Don't you? It takes a little bit of humility to come and say, can you pray for me? This is what I'm going through. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about spiritual gifts, it says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. The, the purpose of spiritual gifts is not for our own glory. The purpose of spiritual gifts is not so that we can say, oh, I have this gift or that gift or we can be famous or anything like that. No, the purpose that God gives spiritual gifts to the body of Christ, to us as a family of believers, is that w- so that we can be a blessing to others. And so it says here, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice or the gift of wisdom. Some people have that, right? To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives greater faith to another. And to someone else, the one one spirit gives the gift of what? Healing. Healing. See, these gifts are given for the edification of the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can be built up, so that the body of Christ can be blessed. And so God gives these gifts to different people within the body of Christ. And it takes humility for us to A, operate in those gifts, and B, be recipients of those gifts. Why? Because now it's no longer me by myself, but I live in community with others. That's why we have life groups, That's why we journey together as a community of faith. This life was not meant to be independent and alone. This life was meant to journey along with others. And that's why we gather together as a community of faith. That's why we gather together in small groups. That's why we share our petitions and our prayer requests one with another because it's a step of humility. It's a step of vulnerability. It's a step that we take to say, let me humble myself and ask others for help. And that's hard to do. But it's so essential and critical in our spiritual lives and walk because we are not meant to do this alone. We depend on others. There's an example in the Old Testament. There was a general. His name was Naaman. He was a general of the Syrian army, and he had leprosy. He was a great conqueror, a great general, but he had leprosy. And so he had heard that there was a prophet in Israel who had the gift of healing. And so he decided, I'm going to go there, right, and meet that prophet, and he'll say some prayer for me or do some amazing thing for me, and I want to be healed, right? And so Naaman goes to to Israel. He travels all the way to Israel, and as he's on his journey, he doesn't even get to the house of the prophet, the prophet uh, Elisha. He doesn't even get to the prophet's house. The prophet sends a messenger to Naaman and tells Naaman, go and dunk yourself, seven times in the dirty Jordan River. He didn't say dirty Jordan, he just said Jordan, right? Go and dunk yourself in the Jordan River seven times and your leprosy will be healed. And Naaman thought, excuse me, I am this great general, this great Syrian general. Look at what he says here in 2 Kings. You can read the whole story in 2 Kings chapter five and uh, throughout the chapter it says here, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to me, to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over me, over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Naaman had this picture and this idea to say, this is how I want to be healed. I'm going to come to the prophet's house, this great prophet. He's going to come out. He's going to wave his hand, and then I'm going to be healed. Sometimes we come with preconceptions, Sometimes we come with understanding, saying, this is how I want God to work, this is the way I want this to happen, and I don't want it to happen any other way. I, it has to happen like this, and like this, and like that. Well, Don't give me any of that fantasism, don't give me the, who knows, that you know, Holy Spirit moving, I don't want any of that, can I just read my Bible and read a verse and then I'll be healed just like that? And maybe we want things to happen the way that we want it to happen, but not the way that God wants it to happen because in the process of healing, God is also doing a work of sanctification and grace and humility in our life. And so Naaman was angry and he said, I'm not gonna do this. Then his servants came about Naaman and said, look, Naaman, General Naaman, if the prophet asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So now this simple thing that he's asking you to do that takes great humility. You've you've already been embarrassed. You've already been humbled because he didn't even come to meet you. He just sent his servant, which was in those days and in that culture and time was probably disrespectful to a great general. He just sent his servant to pass this message on. Now you got to go and bathe in this dirty river. If he asked you something harder, wouldn't you have done it? Can you not humble yourself and do this? And so he does, and he's healed. Friends, sometimes it doesn't work the way we want it to work. And sometimes it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. My question is, do we believe? In James chapter 5, and this is what we're going to do today in obedience to God's word, it says this, Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. This is what we're gonna do at the end of the service. And can I encourage you that if you need a touch of healing, come forward. Can I encourage you, if you don't need a touch of healing, can you come with someone else that does? Because this is a community experience. Come with your family. Come with your children. You don't need to come on your own. Come as a family and be prayed for. At the end, uh, at the end of the message, we're going to have a song, and while that is happening, uh, Pastor Allison's going to be bringing the children back up, and we're going to ask the parents just to go out to the lobby and pick up your, par- uh, your children as well because we want them to be part of this experience. It's a community experience. It's a family experience. It's a togetherness experience. Come together. You don't have to do it on your own. It wasn't meant to be done alone. It was meant to be a corporate experience. That's why God asks us to humble ourselves and go to someone else. That's why God asks us to humble ourselves. Naaman had to humble himself and do what the prophet asked. God asks us to humble ourselves and to ask the help of others. Can you pray for me? Can you walk with me? Can you help me? to pray for this. Friends, I want to encourage you to come. If you don't need healing, come with someone else that needs healing and stand beside that person. And as the elders pray for that person, you pray as well. And if there's a a healing that's needed in your family, bring your whole family up together. Don't just send the one person. Come as a family and pray together. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. In James 5 and verse 16, just the next verse, it says, confess your sins to each other. That's a humbling experience, isn't it? If there's anything that's humbling, that is. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Friends, it's a, it's a humbling experience. It's a togetherness in the body of Christ. God has put us in the family of God, in the body of Christ, in community so that we can journey together, support one another, pray for one, other, pray for one another, and do this together. Number three, this was a, a teaching moment for Jesus to reveal his lordship. I think this is really significant because as this experience is happening with the paralytic uh, man, we see that religious leaders and teachers of all around the place were coming. If you look in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, it talks about how these Pharisees and teachers uh, of the law, they had come from the villages of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. The news of what Jesus was doing had started to spread. And so now all of these people had come and they wanted to see what what is Jesus doing? Jesus was was healing people and, and everyone was okay with that as long as it didn't happen on the sabbath when it happened on the sabbath then the pharisees and the religious people had a had a pickle and they didn't know what to do about that but now it wasn't just about healing because when this man came to jesus what did jesus say first he said your sins are forgiven he didn't say rise up and walk and healed him he said your sins are forgiven right in verse 20 He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. This upset the Pharisees and the religious teachers because this statement that Jesus made was a statement of his deity. This statement that Jesus made was a statement of his lordship. This statement that Jesus made equated him to God and that riled them up. That got them so upset In verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? The very fact that Jesus took this step to say, your sins are forgiven, was a step to acknowledge his lordship, was a step of affirmation to say, yes, I am the son of God. Yes, I am the king of the universe. Yes, I am God, and I have this authority. And they were upset. They didn't like that. But it was a declaration of his lordship now here's the thing because he first says your sins are forgiven and then he says you're healed rise up and walk and from this we can understand that forgiveness is greater than physical healing and i think this is important because one of the things that we understand is that not everyone will receive healing we're going to pray for people this afternoon or this morning and there's no guarantee that anyone will be healed but we pray in faith and we trust the lord we pray in faith and know that Jesus is the healer and our belief is in him. And we do this in obedience to God's word. But there's something greater than physical healing. Because physical healing is just for a short time. Did you know, this might, this might be breaking news, okay? You might need to write this down. Everyone who Jesus healed died. Right? It's true. Everyone, this the 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 lame man. He ended up dying later on. See, forgiveness is something that's eternal. Physical healing is something that's temporal. So, what would you rather have? The thing that's eternal, or the thing that's temporal? Then you're asking yourself, then Daniel, why are you doing this whole healing service for, right? Look at what it says in Corinthians. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, this was the problem. So what happened is Jesus tells this man, your sins are forgiven. Hey, anybody could have said that, right? I can say that, hey, your sins are forgiven. All right, that's it. No sign, no nothing, right? But then what Jesus did after that to say, look, what's harder, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise up and walk? Well, rise up and walk is much more difficult because you have to see something that happens. Whereas your sins are forgiven, you can say that to anybody. And so he says, rise up and walk, and the man started to walk. See, what was not seen was what? Your sins are forgiven. What was seen was rise up and walk. Can you see that? What was not seen was your sins are forgiven hey, that's eternal, that lasts forever, that's worth much more. What was seen is rise up and walk. But that was just temporal. That was just for a short time, right? What Jesus was doing, I've titled this, this message Jesus the Holistic Healer, because Jesus is not all about, and this is the reason we're doing a healing service, because it's not just about physical healing, but it's about spiritual healing Emotional healing, mental healing, relational healing, every kind and aspect of healing, right? The man wanted healing. The, the, the friends that brought this man, do you, think, do you think when the friends came and brought this man, it was, it was, there was probably like a big climax. The, the friends are pulling off of the, the, the roof and now they're, they're, they're dropping him down there and he's there right in front of Jesus and then right at the climax, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, How anticlimactic, right? They were waiting for a big healing. They were waiting for this man to start walking because they had heard about the the, the healing of Jesus and the miracles that he could do. But the man comes down very anticlimactic of Jesus and says, your sins are forgiven. And everyone is just, what, what? Like, what's happening? Jesus gave the man what he needed, not what he wanted jesus gave the man what he needed not what he wanted thankfully he gave him at the end as well what he wanted too but what was more important to jesus was that this man's sins were forgiven that eternal life was granted to him a few verses down in 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 luke chapter 5 it says this jesus answered them healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do I have come to call not those that think, those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. This is the purpose of Jesus, that he's coming to forgive us of our sins. The, the greatest miracle, the greatest healing that Jesus can do is not the physical healing that's temporal, but the eternal healing of our souls in the forgiveness of our sins that lasts forever. Psalm 103, verse 3 and 4 says, He forgives all of my sins and heals all of my diseases. I think it's in the proper order there, don't you think? Forgives all of my sins, heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Two years ago, uh, I shared a message about Jesus, our Savior and healer. And I talked about some verses where that word for salvation or word for healing, the, the Greek word there is sozo. And it means the same thing, healing, savior. It it comes here from Matthew chapter 1. And she will have a son, Mary will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save, or he will sozo his people from their sins, right? So this word sozo is both used for healing and salvation. Or let me say it the other way. This word sozo is used both for salvation and salvation. Healing for forgiveness of sins and the healing of uh, the holistic healing that God brings about for his people. So, if you look at some, if you look at some of these verses in, in Mark chapter 6, wherever he went, in villages, cities, or in the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were sozoed, healed, right? That was a physical healing. Look in Luke chapter 8. It says, then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man, remember we talked a few weeks ago about demon possession and and the healing that Jesus brings, the demon-possessed man had been sozoed, healed, saved, and healed, right? Luke 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and save, or came to seek and sozo those who are lost to save us and heal us from our sins. Romans chapter 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be sozoed, saved, made whole, healed, restored, made complete. That's the work of Jesus. Jesus. That's the eternal work of Jesus. Verse 13 of the same chapter, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be sozoed, will be saved, will be healed. Maybe not the healing that we want and desire if it's something that's physical, but the healing that we need that lasts forever. That's so important in our lives. I have an extension cord here. Let me just show you, give you a little illustration here. This is, this is really important when we pray for healing because a lot of times, I'll stand over here, a lot of times when we look at our life, see this green portion of, of this extension cord? That represents the life that we see. That represents the, the temporal nature of our life. And so there's so many things that happen in this time span of green. And we say, I want healing. I want to be restored. I want this to happen Right, But it's very temporary. This is what we see. What things we can see are temporal. What things we can't see are eternal. But the, what, what is Jesus looking at? Is Jesus just looking at the green portion? We're just looking at the green portion. Or most of the time, we're looking at the green portion. But what is Jesus seeing? Not just this green portion, but this and this and this and this. And that goes on from just the temporariness of this life For all eternity, and eternity, and eternity, and eternity, and eternity. So that small green portion, what happens to that? It becomes pretty insignificant, right? It becomes pretty insignificant because this part is way more important. Because this part lasts forever, and ever, and ever, and ever. And so when Jesus told that man, your sins are forgiven, Jesus was taking care of all of this. But at the end, he went back to the green portion and said, okay, I'll heal you as well. But can you see that? Can you see the difference? Last thing, Jesus is our healer today. He is our holistic healer. He can heal us, body, soul, and spirit. There's nothing too hard for him to do. As pastor Leonor said next Sunday our mission Sunday morning and evening we're going to be looking at another aspect of healing the reconciliation that's needed between us as citizens of Canada and the indigenous people of Canada and what is our role in that healing process friends Jesus is here to bring us holistic healing in our bodies in our soul and in our spirit but what matters way more When we talk about how Jesus saves and heals, it's the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life when we humble ourselves and repent and turn to the Lord. Acts chapter 10 says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And the presence of Jesus is here today. Friends, I want you to come with faith believing that Jesus can heal you of whatever you want Him to heal you of. But let me tell you that verse that says, "Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be sozoed, shall be healed." That is a guarantee. If you call on the name of the Lord, He's going to deal with all of this, so that you can have the gift. Of eternal life if you decide today to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus and say that he is Lord and Savior of all you can have the free gift of eternal life we, you can have a hope that goes beyond the grave and so regardless of what sickness or physical affliction that you might face there's something way better that's waiting for us beyond the grave and so many times we have to stop thinking about just this much which is temporary And think about this much or this much. Keep going, going, going. That's actually eternal. And that lasts forever. But Jesus has compassion even today. Jesus saw the huge crowd and stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus has compassion today, friends. He has compassion on us. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullness of it. That's for this life and the life to come. For the green portion and the orange portion. So we can live in the fullness of life. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Before Brandy comes and sings for us, she's going to sing a song. And we just want you just to receive the words of that song as she sings before we take time to pray. But I want to tell you the story of a man named Dwayne Miller. He was a pastor. And he loved being a pastor. He loved teaching the word of God. While he was pastoring a church in 1990, he lost his voice to an ordinary flu. Over the next three years, he saw 63 specialists and their teams, which amounted to about over 200 healthcare professionals. He had something that was very unique, and it ruined his voice so he could no longer preach or teach. He, said, he says this, he says the way that his voice, his throat was, was you just squeeze a little bit and, and it was a raspy voice causing him pain in his throat. And the doctors told him that he had a zero chance of recovery. And this raspy voice was left and it was painful for him to speak. And so he took some time off And his voice didn't come back. Finally, his doctor said, I need you to take six months off. I need you to go away somewhere. You and your wife, don't talk to anybody. Go to a place where no one knows you and don't speak at all. He did that and he came back six months later. And he could still feel the pain in his voice, in his throat. So he knew that nothing had changed. But as he spoke his first words to the doctor, still his voice was the same. Finally, he went to his church and said they'd been very gracious to him, very patient with him but he decided that he needed to resign because they needed a pastor. And so he went back to his former church um, where he was just a regular congregant. And it was a big, huge church, and he got involved in a Sunday school class. And the Sunday school class was a few hundreds of people as well. And one day, the the teacher of that Sunday school class, and there's a longer story to this. I'm going to just condense it. But the teacher of that Sunday school class had to go away and so the other people there, they loved Dwayne Miller, they, they cared for him, they realized the situation, and they said, hey, can you teach the next Sunday school class? And, and he, you know, it was painful for him, but this is something that he loved to do, and so he said yes. And as he taught that Sunday school class, God healed him. And there's an audio recording to prove it. Do you wanna hear it? This is the audio recording, no video, This is the audio recording of his Sunday school class, and on our bulletin in the notes section, I've put a link to a video that has a larger portion of what he's teaching, but this is a small snippet of what happens.
1: On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again is equally as wrong, because you have put God in a box both ways, and he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave, and we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm <laughs> bit overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. Huh. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord.
2: I
0: I wrote to Dwayne Miller and I asked him if I could share his story. And he's like, Daniel, why don't I come and share the story? Then we f- then he realized we're in Canada and he was in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> he said he went to the doctors, his, the do- his principal doctor, who's dealing with his situation because it was such a unique situation, a unique uncharted area. He was a, a, an expert. He called him up and he went and saw him afterwards. And he did all of the scopes and checked out his throat and everything. And he told him, he said, Duane, I could look at your throat and say, there's been a spontaneous regeneration of the nerves. And everyone would believe me because I'm the expert. And that could be the explanation of what happened. But let me show you the pictures. And he showed him the pictures and said, there's not even any scar tissue left. And you cannot explain that. power of the Lord is present to heal. Brandy, please come.
2: I speak the name of Jesus over you, in your hurting, in your sorrow, I've ask my God to move, I speak the name cause it's all that I can do, in desperation I'll seek I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings, every promise he is faithful to keep. I speak the name, no grave could stances would change I pray that the feet